Hello, I am Tracy Hitchings. My guest today is author, illustrator, singer-songwriter and creator of The Gardening Club, Martin Springett. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening and a very good night to you wherever you are across the globe. I am transmitting from the Gold Coast in Queensland, Australia. You have tuned in to Tracy's Prog World. Well, it's a good day out there to all you wonderful listeners of TPW, Tracy's Blog World. I hope we find you all in fine fettle for yet another chat with our thoroughly wonderful guest, Martin, who graced us last week with his presence for the first time with his unfolding story as a creative. Um, trying to express what Martin has actually achieved is just incredible. It's just like throwing a coin into a pond. It's endless, and that's even before it ripples. Hence, the TARDIS has actually arrived, carrying Martin Springlet from the greatness of Canada, or to be more precise, Toronto in Ontario. He's arrived, the man who went north. He's arrived here at the far end of the Southern Hemisphere. What tales of the unexpected does he carry? Let's find out. Welcome, Martin. How's it going? (laughs) (laughs) Fine. Thank you, Tracy. I'm glad to be back. (laughs) I'm glad to have you back, Martin. It was great last week. Uh, There's just so much, isn't there? And uh, I was just left, um, I I was just left feeling with the hair standing on end with your stories of going north and you seeing everybody going north and so you needed to go. And it's just incredible, isn't it? Yeah. So what what has your day been like today, Martin? Well, I've been working on the Blue Door Project. So that is, I'm working on the art, all the art to do with the Blue Door Project. My, my hope is that I will, be able, I will have an image or an illustration for every single song in the suite. There are 10 songs. And so I want to be able to introduce the listener and as many social media ways or places as I can with that little visual mm-hmm. hook to say, okay, here's the image. If you like the image, you might want to go and listen to the, to the song. And um, also it will be part of a, a book that I'm putting together to, uh, to promote the album. And uh, so basically same old stuff, only well, with a different time. <laughs> this is fantastic. So this is the project you're now working on and getting ready to release, right? Um, yeah, well, it won't be released until the end of the summer there's been a a little bit of a hold up but um, my my compadres uh kevin la liberté and drew burston on bass um you know they've got their own schedules and busyness and all that and and the the irony of all this uh tracy the covid and so on is that these guys i've wanted to work with these two particular musicians for a decade or two. I, I mean, I've known them for, for many years and there's never been a chance. Well, these lads, like a lot of other musicians, were out of work. There was no touring, there were no gigs. And um, so, you know, I spoke to Kevin and said, well, I've got the time, so let's do it. <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, it, And so Kevin said the nicest thing. He said it was like, a real silver lining in his COVID cloud. Oh wow! And, yeah, and we've had so much fun, Tracy. I mean, I'm, I'm boggled at the work that these guys have done, and uh, we're going to have this. I think probably one of my best things uh, uh, ready for release at the end of the summer. So, you guys out there, the ones who listened last week, 
and the ones who are here and you listening um, today. Uh, you just heard that from Martin. He's on. He's still working very hard and obviously in the magic of it, which is so fantastic. But let me give you just a little bit of a background on, Mar- um, on Martin for those of you that are brand new and that, um, missed last week's show. Of course, you can collect that. Um, Martin Springett is... An author, illustrator, musician, living and working in Toronto, born in the UK, Martin emigrated to Canada but returned to London in the early 70s to pursue a music career. He toured and recorded in Europe and England, uh, designed LP covers for the likes of CBS, Sony Records and eventually returned to Canada to follow a career in art and illustration. Now Martin has been nominated for various awards including... Uh, let's see, the Governor General's Award for Illustration, and he has won the Blue Spruce Award, the Shining Willow Award, the Aurora Award for Excellence in Fantasy Art, two Silver Awards from the Art Directors Club of Toronto, and Best Classical Record Cover of the Year Award in the UK. In 1991, Notable Book Award from the Canadian Library associated with Mi Ming, and The Dragon's Daughter, which was Martin's first illustrated children's book. I think that's correct, isn't it, Martin? Yeah. It <laughs> yeah. Which, with intriguing tales like Breakfast on a Dragon's Tale, Growing <laughs> Up an Alien, and The Book of Wandering. Books of wonderful illustration, I've just got to say, because I've been really looking at this stuff, and, and you know, this stuff feeds the children's imagination. And it, it mm. didn't fail on that, did it, Martin? Because they've been used in classrooms as teachers found the imagination of critical thinking improved those skills of the children reading these cleverly crafted books. So it's no wonder, Martin, you've been commissioned to do such various works, at least to say the famous bookmark. Uh, (laughs) You created for that particular bookshop. Still in circulation after 40 years, you designed. um, Yeah, and uh, yeah, for people who are wanting to know about that, please go and collect last week's show because there's so much information and everything will make sense here as well. So uh, yeah, and not to say the least, the many albums Martin has written. He's a songwriter, a great singer so there's an awful lot isn't there and uh martin you're really noted aren't you for the illustration of guy gavriel Kay's um fiona var tapestry series now you're well known for that the trilogy the trilogy was published around the world uh, mm-hmm. with your covers martin and these art treasures are not just the front cover they're wrapped around the back of the books as to complete the visual stories and they're stunning mm-hmm. at least to say you've worked with people just like a pick out of the air like heather dale's songbook legends of arthur so you kind of hang out with the right people don't you <laughs> and, and she's another canadian um musician isn't she an award-winning musician and uh, she records songs and draws from the inspiration of the folklore mythology and she also i discovered does her own podcast and um gives these versions of her songs and it's fantastic isn't it isn't it the legends of king arthur there so you're involved in all these varying things aren't you but the music is also fantastic isn't it well the yeah the this parallel life i've had as it were the two things yes has been a, a joy and and well you know a a strange problem because of course I'm drawn to both things I want to do both things and for uh, you know I always remember my mum bless her saying you know you should do one or the other Martin you know it would be really good at one instead of being sort of okay at two so uh but I've just had this uh, drive to 
play and record, uh, play and write songs. And uh, it really, you know, started with the, the very day, I'd say, the day I heard uh, Love Me Do on the radio as a kid in England. <laughs> yeah. That day, I just, I mean, I can still remember it like, like it happened yesterday. And hearing the opening of the harmonica opening and the, that tune, and of course, thousands of people responded to that in the same way. And it just opened up the door to picking up the guitar and this lifelong pursuit. But it's really flowered in the last, the music has flowered in the last six years because I was, quote, rediscovered. Although, to be honest, nobody knew I was there to begin with. So I wasn't. <laughs> I don't believe that for a moment. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, <laughs> no. I put the, uh, in 1983, I put out the Gardening Club album and. It, you know, I, I got a, uh, we did a video, we got onto TV. I was approached by a, um, uh, um, a management company. I had all, all kinds of people suddenly started lining up because they liked the music. And then, because this is the music business, within a week, everything had gone. Wow. There, was, there was a change of guard at the... Uh, uh, at these various, you know, places, the, the management company. When you say everything had gone, can you just um, define that? Sure. Well, I was approached by two young guys from this uh, management uh, company that wanted to send the band on the road. A week later, one of them was let go. And the other guy no longer felt he had the power to push it through. I went in, I played the album again for the new head honcho, and he did not like the album. So, oh, no. Yeah, so that was that. Oh. <laughs> and I, you know, I'm, I'm well aware that these things, these little moments, when they, you know, there'll be a small moment that will take off and there'll be another one where the door closes and that's it. You know, that's it. And uh, at the time I was getting all the gigs, I was um, paying for the rental of equipment for the band and, I was overwhelmed, and uh, we just had a little girl, our first daughter, Rebecca, and, and I could not keep it going. I just had to let it go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so that's to find that. Okay, and that's part of life, isn't it? Yes. It's also part of the steps in life as to how we reshape and remodel eventually, or we're doing that at the time. We're just doing it differently with what's important at that time. Mm -hmm. So that that's pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. And talking about going back in that at that time, um, I wonder if it's be appropriate now because the way we left the last show, um, if I could just take you down the time tunnel to 1969 in Vancouver, mm -hmm. you were 21 years of age, setting of Tolkien's poems of Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit mm -hmm. was an album you were recording. Can you kindly tell us the who, what, why, when, where's with that as we left it on a little bit of a cliffhanger last time? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I, got, I had, again, this is one of those weird pieces of luck where a band I was in had just folded. I saw an ad for a songwriter for Studio 3 in Vancouver mm -hmm. and I... I phoned up and I said, I'd like to come in, do an audition. I went in, I did an audition. And luckily the guy I did it for was a wonderful keyboard player named Robbie King. And weirdly enough, about three weeks before, I'd seen Robbie in a band on the same bill as my band. And I was just blown away by his Hammond organ playing. And you should know this about Robbie. He's, he has a famous moment in popular music he plays the opening chords 
to stop in the name of love by the Supremes. Right. Yeah. He worked down at Motown. He was a phenom. He was like, you know. Fantastic. Yeah, he was a fantastic guy. And we hit it off so well and he loved my stuff. And I got hired that day to be a songwriter. So I just sat in a room noodling for about a year. Oh, I don't like that. Nah, that's no good. You know, <laughs> and um, I, I, it was dreamland. It was just wonderful. I, I thought, am I, yeah, am I dreaming? Is that, how has this happened? I went from like a penniless musician, just, you know, fallen out of a band to this. What? <laughs> uh, but it's, of course that's it, beautiful yeah. that's poetry emotion my goodness go on then yes <laughs> <laughs> but of course it ended the way these right. things do but i did record the album i did record the album with some stunning musicians so it was lord of the rings or the hobbit or both, both. it was uh, poems from both of the books and i you know to be honest i don't even have a clear memory of writing those tunes they there they were they were just part of you know, my life at the time and a friend had introduced me to the books. I loved the books. And um, so I did the album and the, produ the, see, the producer, a guy named Tom Northcott, went to England. He actually went to the UK to uh, speak to, um, <laughs> well, I like to say he spoke to the wrong Tolkien. He spoke to he spoke to oh, he spoke to Christopher instead of Ronald, yeah, you yeah. know John Ronald uh, Tolkien, um, and Christopher. He just didn't want to know. He just said nothing with modern drums, thank you. Right, you know, and that was the end yeah. of that. But the weird thing is, the album had an underground life. It was copied and sent around to all kinds of people. Um, years, years later, 1983, in fact, the year that my album came out, I met a percussionist from Vancouver who was in town working. So when you say my album come out, which one are you referring the to? Garden there? Club. Another one. The Gardening Club, the first the, Gardening the Club first album. The first Gardening yes. Club, yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah. when that album came out, I was really lucky because I had my friend Anne Mordefi sing on Andromeda, she, this celestial voice she has. That's right, beautiful, yes. Yeah, stunning mm. boy. That song wouldn't work without her. It's like, it was like tailor-made for her. It was just one of those great things. Anyway, um, I was at this club where Anne was performing and this guy, Jim, comes up to me and said, are you Martin Springett? And I said, uh, yes, yes. Should I be worried? No. He said, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he said, my kids grew up on your music. And uh, he said that he'd had a copy of that album for a decade or so. And a whole bunch of other people had made copies. And it was like a, uh, yeah, it had this underground life. And um, so it did get put out then? It, it, it did or it didn't? I thought no, it didn't. Shelved. No, no, it was never released, Tracy. No, no. These it was were... never released, but people had it because they were involved somewhere. That's and right. it got kind of passed on. Well, yes, yeah. They... That, that happens. Yeah, I know that about yeah. my own stuff that did get released, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, you yeah. know how our music scene is in any city. It's actually fairly small. You know, yes. everyone seems to know each other at certain times. Yeah. So all these people knew uh, the producer at, Studio Three, the engineer, and oh sure, I'll make you a copy of that, you know, and um, and so on. And even now, let's see, just about two years late, two years ago, 
I sent the album to the Tolkien estate for one last try. Well, <laughs> they, there's a total moratorium on anyone other than two people setting Tolkien's words to music. And those two people are Caspar Reef in Denmark, who has the Tolkien ensemble, and Howard Shaw, who did the music for the film. So they're the only two people who are allowed to set Tolkien's words to music. I find it so short-sighted. It's, it's unbelievable, really, how short-sighted that is. And everything that I have found out about, about J.R.R. Tolkien, I can tell you this because I met Pauline Baines, and Pauline Baines was the illustrator of Narnia. She illustrated all the Narnia books, and I met Pauline about 12 years ago I got to know her fairly well, and she showed me photo albums of her and her husband and Tolkien and his wife going on holiday together. They were good pals. And she heard my album. She said, Ronald would have loved it. It's weird and magical. This is what I'm feeling. I'm feeling that. I'm feeling that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. He said it's weird. She said it's weird and magical, like the books. The books are weird and magical. And, um, you know, uh, so after all those years, meeting Pauline, who was close to him and worked with him on several projects, um, I finally felt I'd sort of come home. And um, because the my English roots, my love of literature, um, uh, you know, this desire to, to create music, it all started really in that moment when I set Tolkien's words to music. It just set me going. That is incredible. And thank you for sharing that beautiful story. And it's, it's kind of, it's a happy, sad story, isn't yeah. it? But uh, <laughs> yeah. I kind of feel that maybe sometimes these things are meant to be, maybe it's just going to so happen that once, um, we were, so I don't want to be sort of dreary here, but maybe when we're six foot under, that's going to be your biggest thing that's going to bring people back to you and keep your, <laughs> keep your name living forever. Who knows how this all works, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I, I just certainly do hope I get to hear that now. I want to hear that now, you see. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure everybody listening out there really wants that. You do get these, forgive the pun, but you do get this kind of asshole stereotype behavior that prevents great stuff from getting through mm -hmm. i mean by now they should be over it a bit shouldn't they you know well yeah i i mean i know from the reaction that i've had over the years that it's a good piece of work in fact i just heard from a uk um, musician really really superb guitar player dave bronze b-r-o-n-s and okay. yeah, and he's really done an interesting thing. He's done his own kind of symphonic Celtic over the top prog version of, of, you know, music inspired by Lord of the Rings. So yeah. as soon as I saw this, I thought, well, I've got to send him my thing. I mean, what, why not? So I sent it to him and he came back and said, I love this. Um, you should put it up on Bandcamp. And I said, well, if I do, I'll be sued. Wow. So, the only thing to do now is to put it up yeah. for free. It'll be a free album. Ah, uh, so you ah uh, right. So that is the way around it. You put it out and you just let people have it. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I just think that would be 
I suppose it would be a wonderful calling card, darling. <laughs> I I hope so. <laughs> I, I you know I I do before I leave the planet. I want people to hear it, so I'm going to put it up, <clears throat> and um, you know I did a cover for it and uh, a nice image, I think, and um, so yeah, it will go up alongside you know the uh, all the other crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's beautiful to know that it is possible to put it out. It's just obviously your hard work and the craft you put into it, you can't um, receive for that, no. you know, in respect of uh, the time put in. And uh, yeah, and it's your profession indeed, good sir. So, um, and uh, just to sort of go back towards, um, a little bit of back towards album covers, etc. Mm-hmm. Now you did Rick Wakeman's Christmas album of 2017. How did that come about? Ah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> well, um, this is a faintly touchy subject. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is it really? Oh, whoops. No, 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 it's <laughs> okay. Know. No, it's, it's okay. For me, it's amusing. It might be touchy for a certain other people. But anyway, I'll forge ahead. You can always edit it out, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, an Eng- a UK record company, uh, Gonzo Multimedia. Yes. So they picked up the original Gardening Club album, re-released it as the CD with, I think, six extra tracks. And I did a special new booklet for it. And uh, it was very exciting. They put it out. I think they sold out of whatever run they did. <clears throat> but of course, they, I was just throwing artwork at them and saying, look, I can do this for you or that for you, or, you know, because, you know, I tend to show off. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, that's good. eventually... Uh, uh, um, one of the lads at uh, Gonzo said, so how much does 150 pounds get you these days? And my instinct was to say, not very much, really. You know, what, what is it? He said, what's well, an album cover for Rick Wakeman? And I said, okay. Um, you know, uh, anyway, we can push that up a bit. <laughs> Anyway, the fee stayed as it was, and I did his Christmas album, and um, I had fun doing it, um, and I had two, I think, two little exchanges with Rick, you know, very nice sir, well done sir, I think was the exchange, and uh, he liked it because it looked different from Roger Dean, Um, you know, and I love Roger Dean, but, you know, I do a different thing. Uh, so, so that was the, <laughs> that was the amusing story of that, you know, because I thought, well, gee, Gonzo, Rick Wakeman, maybe they have more than 150 pounds. What do you think? Possibly. So I did it. Though. Ouch. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes the calling card is kind of wins, doesn't it? You know, it's it's, <laughs> it's fun to have it, Tracy. And there's no doubt. And I enjoyed doing it. Uh, it was my decision. I could have easily said no. I, I did it. But the interesting thing was I did an album cover for a, another great keyboard player, more in the new age area, I guess, named David Lands. And I did his one year, his Christmas album one year. Then I did Rick's the next. So it's always fun at Christmas time to go, hey, here's my two Christmas covers for these two great keyboard players. So, so I'm pleased I did it. 
Um, okay. Now, um, I forgot where we were now. So um, I would like to, I would, actually, Martin, I would uh, like to skip and ask you about something else. Um, mm. I'd like to ask you about your commitments moment oh. where Elton John's yeah. manager <laughs> almost heard you in a club in London. That's right. Yes, it was. And then afterwards, I'm going to ask you about your German experience. But first of all, yes, your commitments right. moment where Elton John's manager yeah. almost heard you. <laughs> yes, the, in a club in London. Well, like like the guy says in in the end of the commitments, this is poetry. That's you know, it's poetry, right? When he when he tells him that that um, oh the great black singer didn't turn up that night. But anyway, I'm getting off track. So I was um, kind of managed by a lovely woman in who lived in Golders Green. She was a music publisher. Her name was Barbara Hayes, and this was 1975, I think, 1975. So I'm still green around the girls in many ways. But I'm, you know, just about making a living, living in London, doing science fiction illustrations and the occasional book cover and the occasional solo gig. You know, I was that's how I was surviving. So um, and then I, I... was in a trio uh, with an electric bassist named Mike Tomic, who had he had he was one of those classic English bassists of the seventies. You know, it sounded like Chris Squire. He used a volume pedal. It was all. It was like the description I had of his sound was like the Firth of Forth Bridge in a high wind. <laughs> you know, just metallic, big, huge, great, great guy. We're still in. T- Touch amazingly, and uh, and a violinist named John Dambra, who was a terrific guy, terrific violinist when he was in a good mood. <laughs> when he wasn't, he wasn't so good. <laughs> His intonation was a bit off <laughs> when he wasn't in a good mood. Anyway, we were uh, uh, scheduled to play at this little club, and Barbara said, "I'm going to get John Reed to come and hear you," and I said. Really? Okay, Barbara, we'll do our best, right? I was nervous as a cat on a, you know, the proverbial. <laughs> and uh, so, so anyway, we, you know, we got to the club and we did our show and, uh, you know, of course, no, John Reed, of course. I mean, you know, so anyway, we're, we're leaving the club and the mic and the violinist have gone off and I'm walking down the road with Barbara and we're mumbling away about something. And anyway, this huge Rolls Royce drives up, drives up beside us, a silver ghost, right? <laughs> and it drives up beside us and it's still going, keeping up with us. And the window comes down and there's John Reed. Oh. And he says, Oh, hi, Barbara. Have the boys played? And she said, oh, you missed it, John. And he said, well, there'll be another gig, won't there? And, of course, there never was another gig. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, poetry, though. (laughs) Oh, wow. I mean, gosh, isn't... Aren't those moments like? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it's it's just like it's like pouring water into a bucket, and there's a sort of hole in the bottom, you know. <laughs> well, yeah. Oh gosh. It was it was great fun in a way at the moment because you know there's Barbara and I leaning yeah. into the confines of this 
extremely rich man's, uh, you know, little spot and uh, getting a whiff of cigar or whatever it was or aftershave. And uh, um, we had a tiny little chat. Well, we'll see you the next time. Great. Yeah. Well, Barbara, do do call. Okay. Because I will come. Now, do I have to point out how many people did, did John Reed go and see that he doesn't know in a club he's never been to? So Barbara yeah. had connections. Yes. And, of course, I didn't really think about that for years until years after. How did she manage yeah. that? Yeah. How in God's name did she manage that? Yeah, indeed, <laughs> indeed. You know. <laughs> See, that's and, incredible in itself. Is, is that just a polite nod he's paying to her? Um, I, I don't know. I'm just asking questions. I'm just trying I to think of how the brains that, of these people work. You I know. don't know what their history, they had a history. Of some sort. Uh, yeah. Also, Barbara, yeah. the, when I first met Barbara, I was knocked out by the fact that Barbara told me that she had signed the great jazz trumpeter, Miles Davis, to April Music, to April Music in the UK in 1960, whatever year that was, five or something. She signed him and they had lunch together <laughs> and convinced him to sign on. And, you know, right away, I, I thought, oh, three degrees of separation or six, whatever the hell it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes, <Yeah>. indeed. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and one, you know, I would pop into Barbara's and I'd meet members of Fairport Convention. Uh, 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 who else did I meet there? Uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Mark Bolan? Like le oh, wow. leaving the house? Why? Yeah. Why he was there? I don't know. <laughs> God knows. I mean, I, you know, I didn't get these backstories. I don't know. But uh, it was, you know, she was a London girl. She yeah. was a fantastic girl. And I mean, I'm amazed she took me on. And I still feel sad I lost touch with her. Well, I, uh, alas, she's not with us anymore. But Oh, right. I was going to look back to ask you. Yes, yeah. yes, she's not. But no. that's just incredible stories, Martin. These are, these, are, <laughs> these are stories we need to share out there because these are the experiences that people don't realise or get to know about the, the life that happens, you know. So thank yeah. you for sharing that. But what about um, your German experience? Well, I could write a book on that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have done an album called Diving Into Small Pools. Yes, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah, and that's kind of an autobiographical uh, album filled with songs and weird noises, and it touches on all kinds of elements that occurred in this peculiar uh, experience that I had living in Germany for almost a year. With a, um, so there were two – well, originally there were three Brits, right – Remember I told you about the violinist? Well, he was part of this. And then there was a young bass player named Robbie Burns and yes. um, uh, myself, and then a, a Brit who'd grown up in Germany, Jim McGillivray, and a superb young German guitar player named Thomas Kretschmer. So the intriguing thing about this, all this, is the number of... I mean, there's so many weird stories, Tracy. I could do a, literally, I could do a show on this this whole thing. I won't. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a couple. I'll give you a couple. So uh, within a few days of me being there, the manager tells us that he's run out of money 
and he can't support us. And too bad, because I love the band. Thomas knows, knows a guy. So he knows this guy and Werner calls. And Werner turns up in a huge fur coat, as is, does his petite girlfriend in a huge fur coat. And um, they made a pair, those two. So, um, you know, um, because we couldn't pay our hotel bills, all us Brits, our passports are taken away. We had no money, no way of getting out of Germany, nothing. <laughs> but this uh, Werner comes along and he's, uh, he's full of smooth chat and says, I, I can help you boys, okay? Just, uh, you know, I'll pay your bills, I'll get your passports, and I'll put you in a beautiful... Um, that sounds so easy. Uh, yeah, it's all so easy, yeah. I'll put you in a beautiful apartment, which he did. He put us in these beautiful apartments where the ceilings are like 10 feet high and just incredible, you know. So about a week at the apartment, so we're getting quite used to this place, and, you know, we had a nice little rehearsal room. Werner turns up and says, okay, boys, uh, get ready to leave at three in the morning. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I can't pay the bills, and we gotta, we gotta, we gotta, you know, make a move. So, okay. So the intriguing thing. Pay, did he say he can't pay the bills? Yeah, he could. He wasn't pay, paying. Well, he wasn't going to pay. It wasn't that he couldn't. He wasn't going to. That's. The, <laughs> he was quite clear about that. So at three in the morning. A van turns up, driven by, of all people, two members of the Scorpions. <laughs> oh, you couldn't write it. I know you couldn't. You're right. You couldn't. <laughs> this is wonderful. Keep going. Okay. So we all pile in and we drive out to somewhere and we end up in this little village called Vassal and we are put up in a huge 18th century farmhouse. Which wow. has a nice room for rehearsing and, and you know, it's, it's just a beautiful, beautiful place. So we're there in this tiny little village and the women in the village still wore like black kerchiefs and dirndl skirts. I mean, it was very conservative. So I always remember that, that the bass player and I, Rob Burns, went to a pub, that local pub, and we walked in and it was something like out of a Clint Eastwood movie because there was all this chat going on. We walk wow. in. Nothing. Absolute <laughs> silence as they looked at these two Brit yobos with lots of hair. We had lots of hair. <laughs> and they just stared at us, every single guy in the. So I leaned against the bar and I said, uh, Ein bitter, bitter? Which, you know, is sort of a terrible, <laughs> you know, pun. <laughs> and then they started to talk again. And but anyway, that, you know, there's there's a zillion little stories. But um the the band um the band was really intense. We went on tour with Soft Machine. Uh, and so we got to see Alan Holdsworth play every night for two weeks, wow. which was pretty amazing <laughs> and, that is incredible yeah. yeah i know he was i mean this is years ago but the guy was like through the roof brilliant and uh, so rob and i did the young bass player robbie burns and i would come out after we'd done our set and sit in the front row we had front row seats every night and but our guitar player was not so happy it sort of depressed him a little bit that alan was so brilliant yeah, so it set up a little bit of a tension on the tour, you know. We wanted him to be happy and feel good about what was going on. 
And uh, we followed in the <laughs> path of Genesis. Genesis is one gig ahead of us because we went wow. to, all, yeah, it was a lot of fun because we went to these beautiful theaters, you know, yeah. with the ornate boxes and that whole business. So we had, this is about eight months in, we had a recording session and uh, there was an argument between Rob and the drummer and I couldn't take it anymore. I just sort Whoa. of put down my guitar and I danced around the studio like an idiot saying, <laughs> I quit, I quit, I quit. You know, like <laughs> something out of uh, the Pirates of Penzance. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I quit, I quit, I quit, I quit. But the cool thing about this, Tracy, is that Rob Burns lives in New Zealand he is a professor of rock music. He's a brilliant guy and a fantastic bass player. And uh, Thomas Gretschmer, I think 10 years ago, 11 years ago, became a woman and is oh, a, right. a great guitar player. He plays with uh, Udo Lindenberg, which is, I think, Germany's um, uh, uh, Dylan, you know, at that level. Yeah. And then uh, Jim McGillivray was in a prog band called Epitaph. So everybody, oh, okay. everybody, you know, went on to do things, except John, the violinist, who I had to fire. I had oh, to fire John, and I oh. felt terrible. It was horrible. So I hope I never, well, I don't think I'll ever have to do that again. <laughs> no, what, what, pushed you, what pushed you to making that decision to firing oh, him? To oh, because, uh, yeah, he, he was unhappy in yeah. Germany. And, like and as I say, his emotions overruled his intellect. And so yeah, he yeah. didn't play very well. And, and everybody was like, we, we couldn't go on as a band with that. So I had to let him go. And then he got a job uh, very soon after uh, with um, a singer who called Heino. And Heino was, you know, touring all over Germany. John turned up one day at the farmhouse with a big truck saying, Heino, on the side, and uh, out jumps John. He marches upstairs, gets all his gear, marches downstairs and drives off from it. I've never seen him again. Oh, no, I did see him again. You know where I saw him? You know where I saw him? This is just bizarre. <laughs> You'll love this. I went to see Barbara Hayes years later. Right, in Golders yeah. Green in 91. Right. So I'm coming, I've seen Barbara. We had a lovely chat, you know, and I'm coming out and I'm just, I'm on Ravenscroft Avenue. And those of you who know London probably might know that street. So I'm on Ravenscroft Avenue. I'm just about to cross when a BMW comes swerving around the corner and breaks on, ah, screech. And this guy gets out. Like, really angry. What the f <laughs> Spring it. And it's John the violinist. Wow. And he's in a BMW. He's, he became a, what do you call it? Mini cab driver. Like, so oh, this was, was a, like. I was about to say, I was about to say, because you fired him, you got him to raise his game. And he got to the point where he got the BMW. But uh, okay. No, so that no was it a wasn't long... his BMW. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, not trying to laugh at the guy at all because we go, all go through things, but that's hilarious. That <laughs> of all the people in London, I should bump into it. Be him. It's wow. just bizarre, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Isn't it just? Isn't it just? <laughs> so anyway, so, as I was say, was it a nice exchange? Nice exchange? No, it wasn't. He was <gasps> really? still pissed oh. off at me, and he, 
you know, uttered some epithets and slammed the door and drove off. Oh wow! Oh no, there no, it go. wasn't. It wasn't good. No. Oh, it's, <laughs> oh, it's sad. It's too Never bad. Mind. That's life. Yeah. yeah, I nobody. I don't. You know, you know how it is, Tracy. You, no, none of us want to make enemies, but they just seem to pop up. No. Yeah. You know, yeah. for whatever reason, there they are. Well, you, know. you had a standard there. The guy inwardly wasn't happy, and it was coming out through his playing and. You know, when if 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 we get to that moment, we have to sort ourselves out. You can't play. You've got to be at your very peak, and you internally you have to treat yourself well. You know, or get over whatever it is that's going on inside. You yeah. know, and be who you are. Obviously, he didn't find that with you guys, and went off. And it's, it's such a shame to carry a grudge, isn't it? In a way, but I, I I can understand the hurt if he's not been able to get over whatever what was going on with him. But there you go. Yeah. Oh well, being in bands is a double-edged sword. You know, if you're if you're living with and you're traveling with, there's all kinds of compromises that everyone has to make. And, um, you know, I guess I'm, you know, in the last few years, I have just had incredible luck with the people I work with and exchange musical ideas with. They've been amazing. And I, you know, <clears throat> I'm just I'm just I feel quite I hate to use the word blessed because I don't, you know, I'm not a woo-woo sort of guy, but uh, I feel very lucky, let's put it that way. <laughs> oh, gosh, I would say to you that it's not luck. It's definitely blessings. With all your hard work <laughs> put in, the universe has just opened up to you mm -hmm. for all your experiences. So, yes, I, I definitely think you look very blessed to me, darling, but okay. it's, it's just a lucky whirlpool that you're into. <laughs> no, I don't think, I think someone that works like you do, who's as talented as you are, is that luck? No, it's blessing. Oh, good grief. Surely. No, no, it's Be not. Be a bit of a boo-hoo, go on. <laughs> yeah, Be I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the thing is that there over the years, so many conversations with people about, um, success and what that means and um, how certain listeners always have this idea that if you're good, you'll succeed. But that's not the case at all. And no, and uh, you can be misheard, you can be misunderstood, you can get on the wrong train that day. Or John Reed doesn't turn up, you know, I mean, yeah, a yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I think that it, what you've just pulled on there is the most misunderstood thing, because I, I've heard that all my life. Look, if you're good, you'll make it. So you can't be that good. Um, okay, that there, there is truths in that, but it's not the truth. It's certainly only a small perspective, because, it, you know, we know out there, we've seen a lot of people make it, it hasn't got an ounce of talent because of connection and yeah. willingness to be a particular way of being or, or whatever, you know, the case is. Right. And we see people like yourself, who to me are successful, <coughs> because you're still there, you're still doing it. And that's <laughs> yeah. success, you're happy with it, look at what you've done. And so it's also how you determine it. But if they're talking in the you know in, in respect of being huge and big uh you know you know Whitney Houston big or that type of thing or Scorpions big that type of thing um there is a price to pay as well you know and yeah. um people like yourself and like the album that's not out there crumbs you know uh wow but can I ask you one thing hmm. what the hell were the Scorpions doing and picking you up in a van <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes it, it this is a mysterious uh, problem um, again, uh, Werner, the manager, had connections with, I remember one guy, Rudy. Yeah, 
make connections with these guys. And uh, basically it was, hey, guys, uh, I need a van. Okay, we'll come and do it. So they drove us and we had a good natter and, you know, yeah. and we did one gig. <laughs> I'll always remember this. <laughs> we did one gig with the Scorpions and <laughs> we opened for them. We were in Dortmund and it was a hall, I kid you not, filled with hundreds and hundreds of bald guys in leather jackets, right? Yeah. Yeah. And like, uh, it was a bit odd. So we come out, we do our um, little prog stuff and um, they didn't like us. They did oh. not like us. And I mean, a cauliflower ended up on stage. It's almost as though they were prepared. <laughs> Tomatoes, cauliflowers. Oh, it sounds like that, doesn't it? It was so prepared. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty brutal. And um, somebody in the band said, I'll never forget this. It was a lesson to me. Yeah. Let's play a blues. As though that would mollify the 800 skinheads <laughs> that don't want to see us or hear us. You know, <laughs> a blues. Of course, everybody loves the blues. Oh, yeah. Why don't we play Patsy Cline at the same time? <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> So I left the stage mid-song. I thought, this is pathetic. If you don't have the courage to play your music, what, what, are you, what are you about? You know, so I left. I left the stage. The manager was furious at me and then furious at everybody. And then, of course, we all were grumpy and I went off somewhere. And when I came back to the hall and the, and the Scorpions are playing, so I see the audience, you know, this mass of bald heads. And above the audience, I see a pair of feet. <laughs> so one of the boys in the Scorpions was doing a handstand in bare feet. I, I should always have this image until I die. <laughs> oh, so funny. Yeah. Isn't it just great? <laughs> I mean, isn't it just great? I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. At the time, obviously, you're not feeling that at all. <laughs> not quite so funny. Although when I no. saw the feet, I did chuckle. I remember. <laughs> I said, oh, Rudy, what are you doing? <laughs> so that's what you have to do to oh, mollify 800 skinheads. Yeah, yeah, yeah indeed. Oh. Oh, <laughs> Pretty funny. Honestly. Pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. So funny. And I suppose, you know, talking just kind of just shifting things a bit here talking of goals for business and personal you've kind of talked about it already at the beginning of the show with your your new venture and is that the blue door the blue door yeah yes the blue door <laughs> that's the blue door and um and talking <coughs> of those again talking of goals and business and personal um I've heard you say at the age of 73 um you just hope to wake up every day but you know I'd say to you that the new 73 is 53 now and you certainly do not um hold 73 like they did 20 or 30 years ago mm -hmm. they really were old you have a young <coughs> Um, spirit about you that clearly comes across to me as we're looking at each other on camera. Mm -hmm. And so you look like you have a lot more in you yet to give. <laughs> so uh, what is your, what is your sort of view on that goals? Or in, uh, in this, do you have goals or do you just not bother with goals? You just do what you do. Um, well, certainly sometimes there planning has to happen, you know, like for instance, illustrating all the songs there was a day I'm sitting on the couch, I'm scribbling in my sketchbook, and it's like, okay, there are 10 songs. Is that the road I want to go down? Because I have to come up with 10 images that I really feel good about. 
And but then when I thought of the connection between the songs and the imagery and how lately I have been putting up stuff on social media, um, there are a lot of people have no idea, of course, as you well know, who, who I am, right? But if I put up one of my images, somebody's got someone will go, wow, what's that? And they click on the link. Now, sometimes it happens with 20 or 30 people, sometimes it happens with one, but it always happens. So I see the art is clearly, because I, I, I'm, you know, I'm not going to make any money on streaming services. You know, that whole thing is, is absurd. So I'm, I'm not even concerned about that. Um, and uh, so I, I feel very solidly that the, the art is at the conduit for my music at this point because social media is very visual and uh and because i've got this you know rather large back catalog i can put up stuff where people go wow and i did it 30 years ago you know like the cover to diving into small pools was done in 1978 but there are people who see it now and go wow that's that's great you know and i said well you know i i that was done quite a while ago, or even my Tolkien album, you know, that, that people can still listen to it and get a kick. Yeah. I mean, just reminding people of uh, going back to, a little bit to the um, the artwork of Martin's, uh, he sent me some things, and they're beautiful. You've got, like, Demanding Use, you've got Strange Kingdom, there's the blue door yeah. with the faces, Martin, that's just incredible. Um, you've got Rare Birds, there's the Time Trilogy, there's the Owl, all these beautiful pieces of art, guys. You know, you've got to go check Martin out because it's just stunning, it really is. And I think um, one of my favourites um, is the Time Trilogy. There's a kind of hauntingness about it, and I was talking about the movement last week. Um, it's not normally something I'd go for, but I've just seen something in it that's <clears throat> Scott, it folks so much because of the move, movement within the picture. Mm. It's just wonderful. So, guys, you've got to go and check Martin out. It's <laughs> it's just incredible, his art and his music. And uh, so what I'd like to do now, Martin, is ask you some very quick questions and you've yeah. just got to give quick answers. Yeah. But before I actually do that, can I just ask you, can you think of what your favourite, three of your favourite songs are that you've written? Oh, <laughs> it's actually hard. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Thank you. Thank you very much. Would it be easy would it be easier to say three of your favorite albums that you've written or is that too hard because they're all <clears throat> stepping stones to where you're going? Right. Well, uh okay, so okay. Let's let's talk about usually when you ask an artist what their favorite bit is that they've done, usually it sort of heads towards what they've just done, right? So let me say that Woman in the Waves is certainly one of my favorite songs for sure. Um, I would say I have a song, <laughs> I'll send it to you. You haven't heard it yet. It's called The Turning of the Glass and it's on the blue door. And I well, I'll go way back actually. It would have to be Andromeda, the song I did with Anne Mordefee. Yeah, because that's it, defining your defining you. Yeah. Well, yeah, that was sort of like I had no idea that we would hit that out of the park in any yeah. way. You know, yeah. I had the song and I phoned Anne, who just happened to be in Toronto, and I said, Anne, could you come down and just add some of your beautiful voice to this? You know, let's see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> 
she went through the roof and um um you know the the other players and the producer urged her on and it was i couldn't believe it when we were finished and i still don't believe it sometimes and I, it's a song that i feel so so proud of because it's it states so many things that musically that i really really yeah, love beautiful that's lovely well thank you for that and um i'm going to give you some quick questions now <clears throat> What's been the best day in your music life so far? That's a good question, and, I'll t and I think I can answer it. Um, two years ago, hang on, ooh, was it two years ago? Yeah. Two years ago, we'd finished Boy on a Bike, the album, and it was a ton of work. It was a great, a great, um, we felt so good about it. Anyway, I was leaving Victoria where we'd recorded uh, on a bike and Victoria's on the west coast of Canada on Vancouver Island and um, I, I, I said to my partner Norm let's do a gig you know to celebrate he wasn't quite into it but he was into the idea of doing a celebration so we rented a room um, where 50 I think at least 50 people came up we pumped the album through two excellent speakers and I, I pretty well told the story of every song. So this was a this was a uh, story music uh, celebration moment. Okay, then we had a break, and I asked my dear friend Sari Alesh, who is a stunning violinist, and he and I played together. I can tell you, I have never experienced anything as sublime as playing with Sari that night. It was incredible. Now, the interesting thing about Sari is, you know, as you know, in the world of guitar players, I'm sure you know this, chord charts, you've heard of those, <laughs> you know. Absolutely. So, so you know where you get the bass player needs one, the keyboard player, whatever. Sari doesn't need chord charts because he didn't grow up with that language. He grew up in the, in, in the symphonic world. What he hears is modes. He doesn't hear chord changes. So I can play with him and I say, do you need me to write things out? Oh, no, no, no. I do everything by ear. So we did um, th three, four songs, I think, last that night. And they're all kinds of glitches. They're all kinds of things where I screwed up. You know, it's so in the moment. It was under-rehearsed, but it was extraordinary because it reminded me of just how much I love to play live. And also, how is it I'm playing with this extraordinary musician at this stage in my life? I mean, he really is a wonder. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to push that because, you know, people go, okay, but, you know, prove it or we'll listen and we'll be the judge of that. But <laughs> <laughs> for me personally, playing with him that night, our communication, the emotion that was between the two of us, I mean, I, I literally fell in love with his sound and with Sari that night because he <laughs> he was just so open to what we were doing, and he, he's he's become a he's on the blue door. He Fantastic. had to be on oh, the blue wonderful. door. Oh, wonderful! Yeah, yeah. Oh, what a lovely story. Now that this was meant to be quick questions and one word answers, so you've mm. now forfeited the rest of the questions for being <laughs> a naughty boy. But yes, I know. But that story was such great value. It was actually worth it, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to take you to the last question. Mm -hmm. 
If you were going to be stranded on a desert island for a whole year, so excluding your beautiful wife and two daughters, mm-hmm. and for a whole year, who would you take out of John Ronald Juan Tolkien, um, Justin Trudeau, your prime minister, Samantha Fox of page three, the sun, <laughs> or Kev Rowland of the Progressive Underground. <laughs> Interesting array of characters. There. Oh, yeah. Whoa. Yeah, I know. Okay. It's tough, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's really thinking about this. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, if, you know, I mean, my, I, I have a, I know a lot of people are critical of Trudeau, but I admire him in many ways. Um, I think uh, for fun and games, uh, probably Kev. Yeah, you know each other a bit, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, so, he he gave yeah. a great review to the first Gardening Club LP, and I thought, oh, well, this guy is, you know, fun and and gets it. So I tracked him down, and uh, you know, uh, and then I did all those covers for him for his books. So that was fun. Yeah. Well, that's a good friend, Kev Rowland, author of the Progressive Underground, whom you're talking about. And uh, again, that's how I found you, Martin, as well. He brought you back up. Of course, I know your name and you're on my Facebook, but it's like I've got thousands on my Facebook. This is such a wonderful note to say a cheerio on. We're kind of out of time here. Yeah. So is there anything at this particular time, Martin, you would like to share with fans of your art and (laughs) fans of your music and the area that you so passionately love? Anything that you'd like to say to them at all? Oh, well, I I mean, uh, I I just hope that whatever noises I make, whatever sounds I make and whatever images I make give pleasure, support your local artist. And it will be Mr. Katona's label that your music will be coming out on, I believe. It's, yeah, MRR. Yeah, Melodic Revolution Records is Nick's label. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Nick Katona's label, that's right. That's right. Okay, guys and dolls, I hope you've enjoyed that wonderful chat there i just had such great fun isn't it isn't it great when you get someone on who's lived such an extraordinary life and who really is extraordinarily gifted extraordinarily gifted even um wonderful martin thank you so much for coming <laughs> well, thank on. you tracy be it's been fun uh, yeah it yeah. has been you're welcome and i think i'll be seeing you again and i will i hope to anyway i hope you'll come back on again uh, yeah i'd love and, to and uh yeah absolutely there's just too much too many stories you can't bring them all out at once can you so there you go uh, perhaps we'll do a threesome with kevin oh Still okay. to do a threesome so perhaps yeah, we'll do yeah. that uh, <laughs> yeah that should, that should be fun yeah <laughs> Yeah, in for a threesome, yeah? Um, Okay, guys and dolls out there, yeah, I'm sure you've enjoyed this uh, chat and uh, thank you for coming on and supporting and joining. As I always say, I really do appreciate your support in listening. So (laughs) don't forget to press the subscribe button, you know? Um, It really does help and it's not going to cost you a penny. This is a a nice free little show for you to enjoy. And don't forget, if you're driving still, do be careful amongst those who aren't so careful as you. And do join me next week and see who the guest will be then and until then take care of one another love one another because we are in crazy times i know but we've got to do that take care of one another love one another and until next week it's over and out from tracy's prog world